Hello, welcome. It's the FPL Roundup with FPL Governor and FPL Tim. Tim, what a game week. We said it last week, but this one seems to have trumped it. And then some. So many goals, so many shocks, so many FPL ramifications as well. It's absolutely incredible. I can't really believe what I'm seeing. It was another thrilling weekend, crazy results, uh, Premier League records. What more do you want? Yeah, and how's it gone for you this week in terms of FPL? Because my rank has thirded. It's been, I've, I've chopped a million, over a million off my rank. I'm now uh, just inside the top 500k and you're not too far behind. No, but I still have yet to see uh, six digits this season. I'm, I'm on the cusp of the top million. I'm uh, 1 million and 27,000. Uh, I've got 61 points this week, so it's a slight green arrow. Uh, could have been better, could have been worse. I'm just glad that I had uh, James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez to uh, uh, stop the rot. Yeah, Jamrod saved your game week, didn't it? Yeah, 79 points for me, but we're both frustrated with the captaincy blank. And we'll get onto that a bit later on in the FPL Roundup. But come on, there's only one place to start, and that's Villa Park, Aston Villa 7, yes, 7, Liverpool 2, the champions Liverpool absolutely thrashed. Uh, where do we start with this one, Tim? I mean, Ollie Watkins, first half hat-trick, had more chances too, could have been more. But how, how, much, how much do you think this was a one-off? Because this, this is his first sort of foray into the FPL points. I think of all the goals that Villa scored, Watkins' hat-trick were all completely deserved. Um, he he played like a, how a striker should play, getting in those positions, um, taking advantage of mistakes, an excellent finish for the second goal where he was sliding, he was going down and found the top corner. Uh, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, so where do you think Ollie Watkins features then in terms of, well, he'd fit in the value striker category, wouldn't he? But there's plenty of competition in there. So Watkins 5.9, Mitrovic 6, Bamford 5.8, Mopay 6.6 and maybe even uh, Brewster for Sheffield United might come into the frame at 4.5 we'll talk about him in a bit but where do you think Watkins features? It's a tricky one isn't it it's just another name to throw in the hat I mean I hadn't considered Watkins at all before this game week but um, he looked really impressive coming from coming from the championship team Brentford um, he was he looked right at home uh, so yeah, it just adds more question marks, doesn't it? We've got Callum Wilson firing, we've got Mope firing. Um, Mitrovic, Mitrovic hasn't performed this week, but he's always dangerous. Um, it's just it's difficult to know how to fit them all in. Okay, so an inconclusive answer on uh, Ollie Watkins. I suppose it's always difficult to tell after one strong game week whether he can keep that up consistently. Yeah, absolutely. They've got Leicester away next week, which is a relatively tough game. I wouldn't be in a huge rush to bring him in, although if you're looking... Uh, if you are playing the price, the, the team value game, then Mitrovic is going to be falling, Watkins, Watkins is going to be rising. So maybe that would uh, force your hand a bit. Yeah, OK. A couple of other Villa options to talk about. Grealish, definitely the other standout, although he got a big deflection on his first goal. And also Barkley. We tipped him last week. The Barkley bandwagon <laughs> could well be in force. He's at 5.9 and he slotted straight into the team to replace Connor Howrahan. And he got a goal again with the help of a big deflection. And he's on corners and free kicks. So potentially an attractive option if he can keep that place, which you must think him linking up with Grealish did so well that's going to be um, a fixture this season 
Yeah, we were a bit tongue-in-cheek last week about the Barclay bandwagon, but uh, what do you know? He started and he looked right at home. He looked really, really up for it. Um, very impressive performance. And the thing is, he's he's a good player. I know he gets a lot of stick, but I mean, he hasn't really had a, a chance in the last season or two at Chelsea to really um, establish himself in the squad just because they've got a, a very... Um, uh, sort of a lot of strength in depth so uh, yeah I'm really glad to see him on loan uh, I really hope to see more of him interesting okay and word on Liverpool obviously they were missing Allison, which probably played a large part uh, to their downfall in this game in early Adrian Ara setting the tone but Mo Salah got a couple of goals good to see the, uh, for those who kept the faith in him yeah I mean I got Salah in my team I didn't consider captaining him this week um, I thought that you know Villa, Villa were really defensively solid on the return uh, last season and so I thought this would be a tough game but um, actually it was their attack that really stood out I mean let's be honest um, seven goals slight overperformance you could say but in, in performance terms uh, Aston Villa just completely picked them apart just kept finding space kept threatening with almost every break um, unfortunate last minute Allison injury uh, Adrian with huge pressure on his shoulders and maybe that's the kind of pressure that leads to that those kinds of mistakes like that terrible uh, mistake that led to the first goal Is this a worry for the Liverpool defence then? A lot of us will have Liverpool defenders Trent Alexander-Arnold um, Robertson Van Dijk even as well I think it is to be honest I mean we know that this is the same Liverpool squads who've consistently kept clean sheets in the past but they just I, I just couldn't believe how easily they were picked apart and, and the the mistakes is what's really telling in my opinion they just don't look they don't look comfortable they don't look at home okay well let's move on another big scoring game another shock um you could argue manchester united won tottenham hotspur six jose Mourinho uh, getting the bragging rights back at old trafford and son Heung min was fit after all what do you make of this um, well, I sold Son this week uh, straight away because, you know, I keep using this word proactive and so on, but it didn't didn't quite come off this week. Uh, to be honest, I'm not mad about this from my point of view because we were told it was a hamstring injury. Mourinho said, I don't know when he's going to be back. And then all of a sudden we were hearing later in the week that actually he might be ready. And what do you know? He um, Did he play the full 90? He looked incredibly impressive. Two goals and an assist. I mean, another haul that I've missed. Yeah, he did get subbed off, but he certainly made an impression uh, before that came late in the game. Yeah, the Son hokey-cokey continues. One minute he's in your team, next minute he's out of your team, and he's the most transferred in this week. Thankfully, you'll be glad to know that I kept the faith, <laughs> partly because I missed the price drop in the first place, so it didn't really matter if I kept hold of him or not. So yeah, just kept hold of him. Mourinho turned out to be playing a bit of mind games. Yeah, frustrating. But um, I, I mean, my plan was after game week two, after seeing that performance, to just get Son in at a really nice price. I got him in at 8.9 and then just hold him for the rest of the season. But straight away, he comes off with an injury. Straight away, I've sold him. And now I'm back to the same thought process. Got to get him back and just leave him in your team, basically. Yeah, I'll ask you in a bit whether you've already made the move, the Son hokey-cokey, uh, whether he's back in your team already. Uh, Manchester United, though. Fernandez scored a penalty. Interestingly, came off at half-time, though. Reported bust-up in the dressing room, apparently telling Harry Maguire he's not fit to lead the side. And yeah, Man U just pretty shocking defensively as well. Do you think even Fernandez time to avoid? or, or you, I mean, Man U are always going to get penalties this season. He's, he's definitely the go-to option if there is one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, before the season, I'd, I'd thought, yeah, I was, I was, I've said before, I was really keen on Martial. I thought he was going to 
be a great asset this season but I'm really glad that I changed my mind I just it's just one of those sort of bad feeling things I hate using the word gut feel because your feelings are still based on something Um, but Man United just didn't come across like they'd that they were the same team uh, that we saw at the end of last season. Um, so Fernandez, I wasn't keen on at all. I've said before, he's a very awkward price. Um, I'd rather spend that little bit more and have that security of Salah and De Bruyne. But of course, he's on penalties and Man United win a lot of penalties and, and two two freebies. Um, so still scoring FPL points. Yeah, worth keeping an eye as to whether Fernandez will go straight back into the Man United team after getting hooked at half-time. Something's not quite right there it seems but also Harry Kane we've barely mentioned him really this season he's we've just overlooked him really haven't we yeah I've been a bit of a Harry Kane hater in recent times because he's just been a player who promises so much has been so good in the past scores loads of goals and yet he he started playing this weird role at Spurs where he's almost playing like a defensive midfielder but yeah I don't quite know what Jose has done it's like Harry Kane's still playing a little bit deeper than you'd expect to send forward, but he's he's in that position to find that to play that final ball to link the play to to Son, who's running a goal. Harry Kane on six assists for the season already, <laughs> which you don't usually see. And just to put that in his perspective, last season he got two assists in the whole season, wow. six the season before that, two the season before that, seven the season before that. So yeah. all of a sudden, Harry Kane playing this this slightly different role and um, picking up points not just from the goals and, and the penalties that they never, they'll inevitably get but also assists yeah, do you reckon it's sort of a Firmino style role at Liverpool where he's more of a false nine dropping a bit deeper and letting Son for example do all the work just like Mane and Salah do well to be honest I'm not versed enough in uh, fo- football formations to really say yes or no but whatever it's doing uh, it's working and it's, it's good to see and Son and Kane are now the top two feel point scorers this season would you believe it well we'll have to see if Spurs can keep it up certainly Jesse Mourinho doing wonderful things and of course Gareth Bale still to come in as well goodness me they could have quite some season Uh, let's quickly move on Everton 4 Brighton 2 Calvert-Lewin again in the goals that's 6 in 4 games now and then James Rodriguez getting 2 goals as well We're, we're loving this as owners aren't we Tim yeah, I mean, this was where I deviated from my original plan. So I was planning to get Martial in game week two and I just, just felt like something wasn't quite right. And obviously Everton looked really good against Spurs. And yeah, sometimes one game doesn't tell the whole story, but I took a hit to get in Calvert-Lewin and James Rodriguez. And that's definitely been a very good early move. has sort of kept me in the game, so to speak. And uh, my I was a bit worried about Rodriguez in that he he's played relatively deep and he's the one playing those through balls for Richarlison to run onto for Calvert-Lewin to find a header um, but he popped up twice at the back posts in the six yard box to score two goals and that's a great sign going forward I think as an owner um, his pl- price is going to fly uh, Calvert-Lewin again just one touch one goal excellent header um, the lad's on fire um, I'm a happy owner Yeah, do you reckon they should be a priority for anyone who doesn't have them? They've got Liverpool at home next, a nice Merseyside derby. That will be a good test, particularly after Liverpool's uh, 7-2 defeat. They'll be looking to bounce back from that. And then uh, Southampton and Newcastle after that for Everton. So fairly fairly promising games. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think the Liverpool game is as 
tough as we might think just because it's going to take a lot of them to mentally recover from this loss to Villa and also we're just seeing more goals this season in general Um, and just a quick little stat Dominic Calvert-Lewin is now 46.3% owned in the game so uh, avoid at your peril Wow that could be costly if you don't have him in your team and he does perform you'll be the big loser Uh, just a note on Everton defensively bit of a worry Pickford Again, making an error. Uh, five goals conceded now against West Brom, Palace and Brighton. Not really a good sign, is it? No, but I, I think that Everton have been unfortunate because they're actually not giving up many chances or many good chances. Um, so I think they've been unfortunate not to keep at least a second clean sheet. Um, and, and yeah, this time it's just Pickford with a, with a dreadful error that led to that first goal and, and Basuma with a worldie. So yeah, they're on the cusp of keeping clean sheets and I think Dean owners can definitely count themselves unfortunate. Okay, and you got Trossard in for Brighton this week. What are your thoughts? Well, Trossard, I think, is great for his price, but, I mean, uh, the midfield structure is is very difficult to have a player with his price if someone like Son and someone like James Rodriguez are firing. So, I mean, I, I downgraded Trossard thinking it would give me a bit of flexibility... Uh, sorry, I downgraded Son to Trossard. I think it would give me a bit of flexibility going forward. I can maybe choose to go a different route. But of course, with Son straight back, uh, do I reverse that transfer straight away or don't I? Interesting. Yeah, we'll get onto that, as I say, in just a moment. And then Mope also impressing up front. He's another name in that uh, the, the value uh, striker market. There's so many names in there, isn't it? You really have to... I think just pick one and be patient. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Chelsea 4, Palace nil. This was actually nil-nil at half-time, so a really strong second half from Frank Lampard's size. And it was Chilwell who really stole the show. A goal, assist and a clean sheet on his debut, and he's already gone up 0.1 to 5.6. What do you make of Chilwell? I mean, I thought about getting him in straight away to catch the price rise. He's on corners as well. I mean, he was good for Leicester and you'd think he'd only be a better option at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I I completely overlooked him. I didn't know that this was the game he'd be coming in to start. And uh, yeah, what an entrance scoring on his debut. Looked uh, looked very threatening. And yeah, on set pieces is a huge bonus. Um, Chelsea actually had the best expected goals against of any team at home last season. They massively underperformed, but there's got to be a point surely where that those stats start to come good if they can continue it and, and they, they barely gave up a, a a shot to Palace so even though they struggled to break them down in the first half um, they were never really in danger of losing the clean sheet probably bodes well going forwards Okay, interesting as well uh, with Zuma scoring as well but he's not really nailed bit of rotation with Christensen a uh, few uh, defensive rotations for Frank Lampard to go alongside Thiago Silva we saw more of Jorginho's ridiculous penalty technique as well as Fernandez. it seems to be a bit of a trend now in the Premier League doesn't it but it seems to be working um, for the second one though Abraham wanted it wasn't happy when uh, Jorginho uh, got the ball off Azpilicueta I have to say I'm surprised because they were already 3-0 up and, and Jorginho had already had one penalty. Um, why not give it to, you know, the young Tammy, the striker who needs to be playing with confidence at all times? Yeah, and Jorginho not nailed either. So one to avoid. He's one of the most transferred in because he's so cheap. 5.1, I think. So cheap and scoring goals. But at your own peril, he's a bit of a risk. Yeah, I'm not interested at all, but it's frustrating when you know you're never entertaining the idea of having that player in your team and you just keep seeing them, like in Jorginho's instance, just getting penalties. What can you do? 
Yeah, and Mendy for Chelsea, taking their place between the sticks in for Kepa. Five million pounds, quite good value for a, a goalkeeper of what we think would be a top four team at the end of the season. I was surprised to see him come in at five, to be honest. Uh, if you're looking for a differential goalkeeper, maybe if you're willing to spend that 0.5 more, then um, definitely one to look at. Um, if, if nothing else, probably just gives the defenders that little bit extra comfort um, rather than having the worry of uh, Kepa errors behind you. Okay, and on that note, I think we'll call it half-time on the FPL Roundup. Such a busy first half, and there's still plenty more to come. How did Manchester City fare at newly promoted Leeds? A lot of people captaining Kevin De Bruyne this week, but it was another City midfielder who found himself on the score sheet. And also plenty more goals across the Premier League. Maybe a shock at the King Power Stadium as well, with Jamie Vardy not getting on the score sheet. We'll talk about him in just a few moments here on the FPL Roundup. And we'll start the second half at Elland Road. Leeds 1, Manchester City 1. Another shock in this week for the Premier League, which has probably gone a bit under the radar given all the other events going on. But yeah, Manchester City not getting the three points. Disappointing. I was a De Bruyne captain. Uh, sad to see. Uh, I bottled it from Jimenez at the last minute, but it turned out that was irrelevant. Uh, great game from a football perspective. Not so good from an FPL perspective. Yeah, so Kevin De Bruyne did hit the post from a free kick. He was a bit of a threat. Uh, But yeah, captaincy blanks really frustrating when there are so many other players getting an abundance of points. What do you think about De Bruyne? Do you think ditching him now would be a bit of a knee-jerk move? Do we need to be patient? Yeah, I I think it would be a bit premature to get rid. I mean, he is dropping in price. People are selling. A lot of people are going to be making that switch to uh, either Son or maybe Sterling because Sterling was the one who scored this week. But... I mean, even though it wasn't his best game, he still had five shots, he still had five key passes. Okay, his expected goals and assists weren't that high, but he is a serial stat over performer. We know he can haul in any game. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely happy to keep for the time being. Yeah, my move, which I mentioned on last week's episode, was going from Son to Mares. Thankfully, didn't do it because <laughs> Mares blanked in this one. Um, and Torres featured for Man City as well getting his first start of the season he had a shot blocked on the line I think he got the assist as well for Sterling's goal he's 6.9 attractive price for a City midfielder but just not nailed just not nailed and that's the problem isn't it that's what we've come to expect with Man City Uh, I can't can't entertain the idea of him as an option Diaz though new signing for City 5.5 in the City back line alongside Emmerich Laporte but do you think that anyone above five million needs to bring more of a attacking threat, or do you think Diaz might be a nice way into the City defence if they can start keeping clean sheets? I definitely think you need an attacking threat when you look at someone like Castagna, who's been involved in the goals, who has started at five point five, and also now Chilwell. Yes, he's five point six, but uh, why would you pick Diaz over Chilwell if he's uh, if he's not got um, some assists in his locker? Yeah, sign of the times, isn't it? We're we're deeming 5.5 Man City defenders a bit redundant because there's too much else going on. Uh, for Leeds, Rodrigo pouncing on a corner spilled by Edison and Bamford's scoring run finally coming to an end. Do you think that was just a, a, an initial spurt from Bamford and nothing more? Or do you think he'll be regularly on the score sheet over the season? 
I think he'll be regularly on the score sheet, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I really wasn't convinced initially. But actually, he uh, he was a goal threat in this game too. Um, wasn't far off scoring. Uh, just a note on Luke Ailing because I sold him on my wild card in uh, ahead of game week three. But he's him and Dallas are both very impressive in how far they're getting up in the pitch. I mean, to do that against Man City, let alone anyone else, is incredibly impressive. And I think Leeds, um, full credit to them, they're really growing into the league to come from behind against a team like Man City and get a result. And they possibly were possibly deserved more. Um, Really impressed with them, and I think they'll be an absolute threat going forward. So uh, definitely keep an eye on all their assets. Nice. Well, let's stay up north and travel over uh, to northeast. Newcastle three, Burnley one. Now Nick Pope had a bit of a shaky game. We mentioned Pickford earlier on, but Nick Pope arguably um, at fault for some of the uh, the leaky back line. Uh, Callum Wilson scored a double, including one from open play, which is. A rarity. He's scored a lot of penalties so far this season, and to be fair, he looks really quite sharp, making some good runs. Six point four million. He's another one of those strikers, isn't he? Oh, it's, it's so frustrating when you don't own Callum Wilson and he starts firing in the goals, isn't it? Um, this has happened to me many times before. I started with him last season. I sold him, and he went on a good run. Uh, I'm I'm so reluctant to bring him in in case the. Uh, opposite happens but um, no he, look, he looks really good Newcastle are playing some positive football okay yes Burnley are struggling at the moment but um, yeah I'm definitely definitely keeping an eye on him because Newcastle go on a very kind run of fixtures soon yeah keeping an eye on him but where would you know where would you make the sacrifice in your team to fit a player like Callum Wilson in with you know Calvert-Lewin doing so well well, I have Chris Wood in my team, unfortunately, and so that's two blanks on the trot, and it's disappointing when uh, both him and another striker who you could have had are playing against each other, and the one that you don't own is the one firing in the goals and assists. Yeah, gutted. Burnley did get one goal from this game, but it didn't come from Chris Wood. Alan Maximan finally coming good as well for Newcastle. A lot of managers had him in their teams in game week one, but it's taken a few weeks for him to actually get on the on the board. No, if anyone's held on to him, then uh, full credit. Uh, I mean, his goal was a well-taken goal, but a difficult chance. Uh, but, but that assist for Callum Wilson's first goal was absolutely pinpoint on a plate for him. And that's the kind of quality that a team like Newcastle need. Well, let's move on to the King Power. Less than nil, West Ham 3. Another shock of the game week. They just kept on coming, really, didn't they? Mikhail Antonio on the score sheet for the Hammers at 6.3. He's another one of those striker options in the in the sort of value end of the market. But I think the standout for me, Tim, was Cresswell at left-back. Two assists and a clean sheet. Uh, but some tricky fixtures coming up. So maybe one to watch rather than get straight in your team. Yeah, earlier on we we saw that West Ham had a really tough opening run of games and thought great wait and see option. But I mean, they've turned into a, I don't I don't know what's happened to them in the last two games: two clean sheets and two wins against good opposition. And and yeah, it's, it's we're lining up their assets it seems for a few weeks' time. Yeah, and a word on Leicester though. Finally, Jamie Vardy uh, stops scoring. Well, he seems to be sort of scoring lots of goals one game and then having a blank. Uh, but Leicester with zero shots on target this game, although lots of Harvey Barnes managers will be a bit frustrated given he did actually score in added time, but it was ruled offside. By millimetres, uh, very tough one to take for owners. Very unfortunate. Anything more to add on this game? Uh, just that... 
Uh, I'm glad that Jamie Vardy's scoring runs finally come to an end. You can't just rely on penalties, but he's going to continue to get penalties. And actually, he did have a good chance from open play, which has uh, been a rarity so far this season. So no doubt the goals will still come. Uh, I was deliberating this week whether I start James Justin or Charlie Taylor as as my 4.5 defender, and both conceded three goals. So it was a one point apiece. (laughs) Nice. Um, A few unlikely goal scorers at the Emirates. Arsenal 2, Sheffield United 1, Saka, Pepe and McGoldrick all on the score sheet but it could be Rian Brewster one to watch in a couple of weeks time when FPL returns after the international break he wasn't registered in time for this game but a striker at 4.5 million who could well be nailed on um, having signed for what 25 million pounds from Liverpool um, quite some piece quite some fee so you think if he if he is nailed on he'll be um, an easy pick surely he's in a he's in a market of his own at 4.5 well, you say that, but I can't imagine having him in my team just because of the wealth of cheap striker options we've got this season. I, I mean, I think at 4.5, I, I, I still don't think I could comfortably play him every week. I'd probably be looking to rotate him elsewhere in the squad, but often that's just asking for trouble. Um, as I say, uh, wait and see for me. I, I prefer the 3-4-3. So you'd be more comfortable having him as, say, a first sub? Yeah, if if I felt like I could confidently make a good three five two, uh, but then but then I'd just be having him as as bench fodder, and I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure that makes sense really, because you'd have to be playing him some of the time, and yeah, I, I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, but you could see him coming in straight into that Sheffield United starting eleven. They've been really screaming out for a striker, haven't they? I think so. Yeah, just because of how goal shy they've been. I mean, this was their first goal in three, which is uh, a worrying sign, definitely. Okay, let's move on to the South Coast. Southampton two, West Brom nil. Gineppo and Romeo with the goals in this one. A few more unlikely goal scorers. Um, Ings and Adams slipping a little bit off the attacking radar or the shortlist, whatever you want to call it. Although Ings did have a strong header, uh, which forced a good save. He's one of those strikers we've talked about plenty in recent weeks. We've had him in our teams, um, but he's just seeming to slip off the pace a little bit. Well, yeah, he's always on the cusp of a goal, even in games where he doesn't score. And the thing is, with the number of goals flying in at the moment, our expectations are just so high. And inevitably, you're going to get games like this where um, you blank, even, even when the odds are right there with you um, so yeah it was, it was inevitable but um, nice to see Gineppo on the scoreboard I really like him as a player and of course considering uh, I don't have Ings in my team it's nice to see a blank yeah of course it always is uh, not letting your your fantasy rivals in your mini leagues get one over on you um, defensively though for Southampton a second straight clean sheet ditching McCarthy on my wild card uh, comes back to bite me again nine points he got in this one got a couple of bonus and a save point it seems that ever since they put Vestergaard back in the starting team they've started keeping clean sheets clearly crucial and that's why he was in my game week one team are you sure it's not just that they've played Burnley and West Brom <laughs> yeah it could be a factor uh, it's a good point actually Southampton's fixtures if you are looking at maybe getting Alex McCarthy in giving his given his good form who's next up Chelsea away so uh, definitely wouldn't be looking to make that move this week Okay, yeah, Martinez, I think, is still the most transferred in goalkeeper, uh, the Aston Villa man who's in both of our teams. Uh, Let's finish the roundup this week at at Molyneux. Wolves won, Fulham nil. Not really what we wanted uh, from this game for Jimenez owners, at least. He uh, didn't get anything from it. 
No, well, this was why I started game week one with Ings over Jimenez, because at the tail end of last season, Wolves actually weren't creating that many chances. They were, of course, an incredibly solid defensive unit, so that's where I was sort of keeping my focus. Then all of a sudden, Jimenez scores in game week one and game week two, including against Man City. We've all rushed to get him in, and then suddenly Wolves' attack is looking a bit, a bit limp. Yeah, not good at home to Fulham of all teams. Probably the the weakest defensively, you'd think, in the whole Premier League. And it turns out to be Wolves' defence, which comes good. My double Wolves' defence coming good in this one. Cody and Sice. Sice getting a couple of bonus points as well. Uh, I think they were slightly fortunate to keep a clean sheet in this, but uh, I'll I'll definitely take it. I had Sice in my team and, yeah, a a very solid eight-pointer. Yeah, and you mentioned Mitrovic really early on in the podcast. He came close a couple of times, but... You know, he's just another one of those strikers where he will score one week, but you've got to be prepared to take a few blanks along the way. That's always the difficulty, isn't it? I actually think his best chance of points in this game was a potential assist for Kamara, uh, but Kamara drilled it straight at the keeper, unfortunately. So, never mind. Yeah, and going back to Wolves a sec, a lot of Podence uh, fanciers looking at him after his strong start to the season. But again, one to watch and just keep on your radar and, and just keep an eye on him if he does start returning. To be honest, this is always a difficult with players in a bracket like 5.5 million midfielders because you're, you're, you're never going to get that many returns. So you're either jumbling them around from week to week, which is just going to be wasting transfers, or you just have to accept that you're going to go through long periods of blanks. Uh, Podence is blanks, and then ASM's come good, so naturally lots of people will be jumping back on Sim Maximan, but next week, who knows, it could be Podence's time to shine next week who knows yeah indeed and the thing is next week Tim it's the international break so we've got two whole weeks to uh, prepare think about tinker ahead of that one maybe a good time to play your wild card if you want to catch some price rises um, on that note let's talk about our transfers have you been one of those to make that proactive move you've been talking about it all season trying to be proactive and build team value I imagine you would have already made a couple of transfers well I think there's a fine line between being proactive and just being downright uh, unruly let's let's, (laughs) let's use that word and I confess I've already taken a minus four wow that is uh, quite some move considering in this day and age of all times as well I mean Sadio Mane came down with Covid what a day before the the game week deadline so that could happen to anyone and also of course the international break could come with injuries either in training or international duty as well yeah we've heard that Sterling potentially has a has a minor injury but hopefully he'll be recovered given that he might he should get two weeks off now um yeah I I understand the risks and I am you know trying to just play for a play proactively but have a bit of fun and accept that if if it's if it goes against me I'm just gonna have to take that on the chin so uh, my moves this week were to do Son back in from Trossard so I reversed last week's move Um, but you know that's that's I just have to accept that and I also did Robertson to Chilwell last night ahead of the price rises and yes, this is risky. Yes, I've taken a minus four. Yes, I'm getting rid of a Liverpool defender who plays incredibly high up the pitch and also had a good shot this week. Um, but the rationale is Chilwell will never be 5.5 million again. So if I get him in at his sort of baseline price, then uh, anyone who gets him in later at a higher price is having to pay a premium. Uh, 5.5 for an attacking defender in the long run if he proves to be 
excellent value at that price, uh, then maybe he's even an option to go o- over Liverpool defence at a time where clean sheets are hard to come by. And also, next week, it's Everton against Liverpool. And given that I have two Everton attackers in my team, uh, I'm playing the sort of high-risk high reward game in that I'm not hedging because I don't own a Liverpool defender so I'm anticipating that Everton will score and if they score there's a good chance it comes from either Rodriguez or Calvert-Lewin and then I have an advantage over anyone who holds a Liverpool defender who doesn't keep a clean sheet that week if you see what I mean so it can obviously backfire it can go the other way but uh, I'm playing you know to, to try to catch a big week so that's my rationale I hope that I hope that's a logical thought process yeah I really like that explanation I was having very much the same thought process as I went to bed last night if a last minute thought was quick look at the look at the fantasy team see who might be um, going up in price or even down in price and yeah I think I'm just going to end up taking a few drops and rises because I just don't want to take that risk, I think. I've got two free transfers in the bank and I really don't really want to waste them. And who knows, international? Um, if someone does well on international duty, that might play an influence in my mind as well. Okay, Tim, it's that time again, the FPL slam of that time where we can get our own little bit of revenge on any players which we're particularly frustrated with from this game week and for a lot of managers I'm sure there'll be plenty plenty of negative defensive scores across the Manchester United defence and the Liverpool defence bizarrely enough this week Trent Alexander-Arnold with a minus one some players even doing worse than that so who have we got on the slammer at the moment Tim? We've got Deli Ali, Timo Werner, Roman Seiss and Connor Cody. So we've got double Wolves defence in the slammer. Yeah, interesting that, con- considering they're both impressed this week, both keeping a clean sheet. But it was Seiss who performed better, getting the two bonus points as well. So I think, let, let Seiss out? I think let Seiss out, yeah. OK, we'll let Seiss out, but we'll keep Connor Cody in. Just, uh, yeah, he needs to do a bit better than six points I think and McCarthy certainly showed how he could do that as well he was in the slammer but keeping nine points this week um, was really good uh, Deli Ali can stay in there can't he Timo Werner can stay in there I, I mean it says a lot when we didn't even mention Timo Werner in the Chelsea game earlier um, that's just how anonymous he's been I, I feel very sorry for people who've kept him because you got to be expecting that he'll come good at some point but other than one shot look relatively toothless looks like he doesn't really know what his role is in the Chelsea squad so yeah we've got to keep both of those in yeah interesting okay I'm gonna make the first move this week Tim it's got to be Trent Alexander-Arnold the only negative score in my team this week last week it was Connor Cody with the negative this week it's Trent yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar vein. I, I hate to say it because Andrew Robertson is one of my favourite FPL players of all time. But uh, just seeing a minus one, we said it last week, it's just horrible when you see a negative in your team. So uh, I thought about Chris Woods, but he did score two. Uh, and I've got to, got to give Chris Wood one more chance against uh, West Brom next week before I consider putting him in. So Andrew Robertson in the slammer. Off you go, son. Lovely. So double Liverpool defence in the FBL slammer. Who'd have thought we'd be saying that after four game weeks of this season? Uh, Trent and Robertson, one of the most highly fancied players in FPL and both getting negative scores in this game week. And that is just about us for this week's FPL roundup. So two weeks off to uh, enjoy the international break. Maybe time to relax and have a little break from FPL after such a such a busy start to the season. So hectic, so many twists and turns. Uh, Tim, what are you going to be doing over the next couple of weeks? 
Well, I'm not going to be making any more transfers, that's for sure. <laughs> I think making two uh, when the game week's barely over is uh, bad enough on its own. But i just got to sit tight and wait now. Uh, maybe try and put fancy out of my head a bit and come back, you know, with a, with a clear perspective, hoping for no more injuries. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the good things about making your transfers early is that you've done it. You can just forget about it now. You've, what's done is done. You've just got to um, ride it, see whether it works out or not. And yeah, you don't have to be tinkering every night, looking at the price rises, um, seeing what's going to happen. It can be horrible when you're stewing over those decisions. Obviously, it's an advantage to have that extra time. But yeah, as I say, I can sit back and relax and watch you stew over those decisions instead. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Thank you so much for listening. It's been so much fun, uh, the start to this FPL season. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review um, let us know what you think's good tell your friends uh, about it as well and make sure you subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future episodes who knows we might even fit one in over the international break and you can follow us on twitter as well i'm at fpl governor and tim is on there as well fpl underscore tim lovely uh yeah follow us on there and we'll see you next time thanks for listening goodbye <laughs>